Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing last week's spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting five to 15 minutes where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for a spiritual tune-up. So today's question, Mike, please explain channeling. Now this is a hot topic of late because as you likely know, I'm doing a program, a workshop with Sarah Landon from sarahlandon.com where she's actually channeling the council. This profound wisdom is pouring through. But what is channeling. It is the most natural thing. You know who's really good at it? You are. It is spirit moving through, consciousness moving through the physical apparatus called a human body or animal body. You know, animals uh, channel their own spirits. Everything is being channeled all the time. This conversation is pure channeled work. It is not the brain that formulates words. It is not the tongue that creates syllables. Well, in a kind of a way it does. But what is going on is my essence, my unique personality, the consciousness, otherwise known as Michael Dooley, has this gift of a body. We are so much more than our body. We exist prior to the body arrival and beyond its demise. And so the body is here to create this conduit for my essence, my personality, my spirit, my consciousness to pour through. And we learn to get better and better at this our entire life long. Not only do we speak our essence, but we dance our essence. We craft our essence. Anything and everything that's done we just finished watching the Olympics in Tokyo on TV, right? And on the internet. These brilliant athletes are able to channel their essence in concert with their physical body through lots of experience and practice. The practice is the word I was looking for. And they're able to do what seems to be superhuman achievements. They're showing us what we're all capable of doing with a belief in our ability. And they've cultivated this belief by practicing. The practice is not as important as the belief, but it gives us license to believe. Back to channeling as the questioner uh, was asking. What we're all capable of doing, some uh, it's more effortless than others, um, is to either set aside the beliefs in our personality, transcend the illusions, and actually allow our own higher self through. This is what enlightenment is. This is what the mystics and the yogis in the Far East and some wise folks in the West are pursuing. A transcendence of the illusions by dispelling the personality fleetingly, not permanently, can't really do it permanently, uh, but dispelling the personality and the beliefs that give it rise and they can allow much more of divine intelligence and awareness, their higher selves, if you prefer, to come pouring through in conversation or in performance, physical performance. Uh, this is what a Jesus Christ or a Buddha was able to achieve. The transcendence of their personality, the transcendence of their beliefs, so that they could be all of their magnificent self. All of us are capable of doing this. An intermediary step prior to full-blown self-realization, Jesus or Buddha style, would be a sidestepping of personalities. Like, you cute little thing, you just go over here and all your beliefs can stay intact and you just go over there. Let's suspend those beliefs so that 
either your higher self can come through or whatever you intend. There's literally people, uh, I've seen it, uh, heard it, read it, resonate with it, who bring forth deceased loved ones, uh, bring forth messages from angels. Angels are real. They have something to say. Uh, animals, dolphin consciousness, uh, Christ consciousness, Jesus himself, uh, to say he is a bit... Uh, taking them down a few notches, but the beauty and essence of the Christ consciousness uh, that was channeled by Jesus is available to all. The same thing for, for all prior prophets, deities, disincarnate beings, beings who have never experienced time and space. They have a consciousness and with intention, will, and space. I'll give you the three... Um, uh, guidelines on how to visualize uh, the lightweight version in in the end of this program. Um, trees, you can feel and read the energy of trees, plants, bushes, a blade of grass, uh, a spider, a a mouse. Now they're not going to start talking like you talk when we channel because it is our consciousness that is summoning, intending, and allowing. Um, a Seth or an Abraham or the council to come through, we are the filters of that consciousness. They must use our language. So if we speak Japanese, Swahili, and English, then this disincarnate being or, or whoever we're channeling will speak the same languages because it's our words, our consciousness that will dress up the message that they wish to impart. So always the channel, the, the vessel, the vehicle will filter the, the essence of what's being drawn through. Um, and so they'll speak with a little bit of your intonation, sometimes with an accent. Um, they'll speak using your vocabulary. They'll speak using your expressions. Some people who go into channel completely black out and have no idea of what just happened, like Jane Roberts in the Seth material, uh, like Edgar Casey, America's Sleeping Prophet. You can Google him. When they wake up, they're like, wow, I was gone. What happened? What did I say? What did I do? Uh, other people like Sarah Landon with a, uh, and my friend Tracy Farquhar, they can just do a few breathing exercises and literally be present but kind of in the background, as this essence, this energy pours forth. I will tell you, in my life's experience, I have seen a few folks channel, and I've seen it done on Ouija boards, those work, um, where really foul, ugly information came forward. I remember my, no, I won't go into details, but you can tell right away, like, oh, this is not very... This is not very high energy. This is not good. Um, no one's ever vulnerable to being possessed. No one's vulnerable to somebody taking over their physical apparatus. You have to want it, desire it, and create the space for it. But just because you might start channeling doesn't mean it's always profound wisdom. It could be a bunch of garbage. And you have to be the judge of it. Now, you can guard to have the higher wisdom come, come through. It's just the intention of higher wisdom with love and with blessings, the highest and the best for all, a few affirmations like that. It's said by many to imagine yourself shrouded in purple, gold, pink, and white light. I, I think I'm, I've added a color. Purple, pink, and white, I don't know. But many schools of thought teach imagining color or tones of color, or golden light for healing or faster manifestations. And in this case, um, for protection from um, unsettled spirits. But no one's vulnerable. You don't have to worry about, oh man, I might get something really awful. <clears throat> when I used to mess around with Ouija boards with my mom and brother and sister at times, sorry I'm calling you guys out, um, we sometimes got some really garbage stuff. Uh, just, you know, vile, like, uh, uh, literally words like hate and kill would come through. But far and away, 99% of my experience witnessing, reading, 
uh, knowing of channeled work, it is uh, the most beautiful and most empowering uh, information I've ever heard. And if something's coming through and you don't know how to judge it, then leave it. Leave it. You have that power. You always have that power. You choose what to think about. You choose what to focus on. But when your intention is well placed in the beginning with love and light, you automatically exclude any base energies coming through. And we didn't know well enough uh, back then, 40 years ago, more than 40 years ago, when we got some of that really crass crap. A um, couple of ideas here for you. My steps to channel. Um, this is just deductive reasoning. I can see, I know how the mechanics of all manifestations work. It wouldn't be any different from channeling. No, I don't necessarily channel at all like Sarah Landon or Esther or Jane Roberts or J.C. Knight. But, but as I said at the outset, we all channel nonstop. And when I write notes from the universe or in the creation of my courses and other books, um, there is absolutely uh, endless examples of times where I sat with intention knowing the tone and the vibration of what I wanted to impart, the humor, the wisdom, and I would be utterly astounded by what I was able to summon forth. And I can do that in a journaling session when it comes to health or healing or other questions I have about the nature of reality. You can do this right now with your own journal or in contemplative thought. I encourage you to do it. So here are the three steps. Intention. Get clear on what you want, what kind of information you want. Shroud it in golden, purple, white lights, okay? Um, ask for the highest and the best, the most loving energy available to, to be available to you. Um, you can channel, by the way, by speaking. You can channel when you're in a complete trance, as I said. You can channel through automatic writing when the words just come forward and you, you know what's going on. Or you can channel just by picking it up in thought and suddenly when... There was no idea or truth or clarity or answer. You've got all of that. This is you channeling as you've been doing your entire life. So intention, belief that it's possible. doesn't take much these days when you see how many people are doing it and there's so many great books out there. Um, believe that it's possible. Believe that you're capable of it. Do you believe? You probably do, so don't beat yourself up over that, okay? Belief is a pretty easy thing to get in line with, okay? Intention, belief, and create the space. You know, if you intend to do it one day and you believe that it's possible, but you never sit down and create that space. You never sit down with a journal or you never sit down in deep thought. You never sit down and ask a question and expect an answer. You know, you have to prepare the way. You have to demonstrate Physically, get in congruence. Here I am in a place of receivership. Bring it on. And sit there for a minute or five or 35 or 45 minutes. Hey, in the beginning, like all things, it takes practice. And you get better and better and better at it. So channeling is very real. It's very special. It's very awesome. Jumbo fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time for a spiritual tune-up on this Tuesday. Today's question is about other people. In love, in business, around the hood, wherever you've got other people, this question is irrelevant. And boy, does it have a spicy side, but a frustrating side. Mike, if we can't affect others, how can we attract them? Now, for those maybe new to my work and ideas, I do teach that while we are here to live the absolute life of our dreams, there are but a few dreams that might never come true. Probably the only metaphysical teacher that will tell you that there are some dreams that may never come true. And what would those dreams be? Dreams that depend on some specific other person's behavior. You cannot manipulate other people. You cannot make Roxanne or Rocky fall in love with you. All right? But there's a workaround that's way better than a stubborn Roxanne or Rocky. And that is the fact that your thoughts unfailingly reach out into the physical universe and literally tap billions of other people on the shoulders. 
Are you my partner? Could you be my business partner? Are you the next one? Are you right for me? Your thoughts have this infinite reach and from all of those possibilities, they will attract to you others who are in alignment with you. The truth is, unlike the stipulation in the question, if we can't affect others, specifically the question is said, if our thoughts can't affect what others think or do, how can we expect the universe to bring us romance or friendships when this involves other people? Wait a minute, the premise is wrong here. If our thoughts can't affect what others think or do, think or do. Oh my gosh, your thoughts are your number one point of contact in influencing what others think and what others do. They are your fulcrum. They are your leverage point. They are your everything. Your thoughts mightily influence what others think or do. This is how you attract people and stuff to you. This is how you attract love and um, entrepreneurial adventures to you. Your thoughts bring the right people to you. But you cannot say at the outset who those people will be. You cannot say, well, uh, I want, you know, so-and-so to do such-and-such. You're taking away their free will. You're taking away their power. You're taking away their opportunities to dream on their terms. So you don't and cannot manipulate somebody. But you can reach them. And if they are of your vibration... If they would be a match, your dreams coming true help their dreams come true. Their dreams come true help your dreams come true. Oh my gosh, this is how you try it on. You think those thoughts. You have the vision. Holding hands, great relationships, growing together, facing challenges with an open heart and an open mind. You put that out there to the universe and the universe will find all the right people at all the right times given your likely trajectories and their likely trajectories so that you can suddenly bump into them at the grocery store or that you can suddenly have this craving and go to the, the local restaurant or convenience store for that craving and oh my gosh, there's this person who picked up your wallet when you didn't even know you dropped it. Oh my gosh, what a coincidence. Oh my gosh. It was this happy serendipitous accident. Ain't no such thing. This is the magic of your thoughts aligning people who are in resonance with you. So you can mightily, and you must know this to get excited and optimistic about it, influence anyone and everyone. But the word is influence, not manipulate. So whatever it is you want in your life, in terms of people, you can have it. You just can't say who. Now, if you're already in a relationship, oh, I know it gets kind of prickly. Look, it's not about changing people. Your relationships are about enjoying uh, life together with them. They're not supposed to bring you your joy. Is you adventure and they adventure and you have things in common, um, whether they are near or far, you can have this amazing relationship. Um, and so if you're already in a relationship, I'm not saying your partner won't love you forever. Chances are great they will. Chances are great you will love them forever. Chances are, given that people change so slowly, the things that brought you all together will remain constant during this adventure and you can have your happily ever after. Um, but just because a relationship can get a little bit slippery or tricky doesn't mean it's time to abandon it. Uh, to the contrary, the wise adventurer would reflect and say, you know, how else can I deal with this? What am I not seeing? Uh, and make hay while the sun's shining on this area of your life where there was a chink in your armor. Okay, so you can influence other people, can't manipulate them. <clears throat> and the way to bring the right people into your life at the right time and to bring out, to, to maximize chances of extracting people in your life's best behavior is to have this vision in your mind of everything working out. There's camaraderie, there's joy, there's compassion, mutual compassion, mutual empathy, mutual desires for growth and glory. And then you will bring out their best behavior 
and where needed, you will attract brand new players into your life. It works exactly the same for looking for a publisher. It works exactly the same when looking for um, a business partner. It works exactly the same when looking for a new house to buy. It works the same for everything. Hold the vision, show up, show up, know that you're supernatural and prepare to be astounded. Can't manipulate other people, but you can mightily, and you do 24 seven, influence other people. And you can use that to your advantage as long as you don't insist on micromanaging who does what, when, and where. Thoughts become things, fellow adventurers. It's Mike Dooley. Time for a spiritual tune-up. Today's question, uh, Mike, how do you know what's the right decision to make? I want to do something, but then I get doubtful and I hear the fears of others and society's thinking. Then I get paralyzed. Okay, so I've already shared in the past some tips on making big decisions. Here are some new tips on making huge decisions because I don't think any of us like it when they loom. But immediately, if that feeling of discontent shows up, we're not seeing the perspectives in front of us as we could, okay? It is not as it appears. First thing I wanna tell you, ask, imagine, and maybe journal the following question. How will I feel if I say yes? Most of these big decisions are either or, A or B, yes or no. So ask and then imagine as if you were a few months into the future, um, what it would feel like if you said yes. It's a great tool to journal this kind of answer out. It's amazing what you can connect with in terms of your higher wisdom when you start writing. But you don't have to write. Journaling is something we talked about yesterday with Sarah Landon in the Art of Channeling course. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But the first question of two is to ask, imagine, and journal. How will I feel if I say yes? How will you feel now? How will you feel in a few months? It's amazing the clarity you'll get if you make it as literal and as stark a decision as that. How will I feel if I say yes? Question number two. How will I feel if I say no? The best example of this paying huge dividends in my life and giving me incredible clarity was when I was on the cusp uh, of 50 years old. And I had never been married, never had many long-term relationships. And I was uh, doing a six-month trial with my Mexican girlfriend where she had left everything behind to come and live with me. Find out if we really had it. Find out if she could learn to speak English as I was stumbling through Spanish. That's how, that's how green we were. And that's literally where we were in the relationship. And we were coming to the end of our six months. Uh, and it was such a difficult decision for me. It's like, I've never believed in marriage. It's a human man-made institution, like Neil Donald Walsh says. And I was just like, you know, why would we create something that we have to carry along when we can't see into the future and we don't know how we'll evolve and hey it's so great right now why mess it up with something like that and I just couldn't see the forest for the trees and all of my arguments were right about wanting to stay with her wanting to get married not wanting to get married not wanting to stay not wanting anything let her go home and then we'll see how it is uh, and then maybe we'll have another visit and we'll learn our languages better and like there were so many ways out um, and so I asked the question, how will I feel if I say yes, if I don't let her leave here uh, and I propose to her? And I got to tell you, this is an important two question exercise that I've just given you because that first question, I just could not feel the answer. How would I feel if I said yes? It gave me all those arguments of why marriage is a silly man-made institution, not of the divine by any stretch or measure. Um, but then I asked, how will I feel if I let her go home? 
Now, I'm not trying to imply that it was only my decision. Um, this is an amazing woman, still is an amazing woman. And, um, and uh, 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 you know, she had an equal say in it. But I had to deal with my angle without trying to figure out her angle. So my angle, not as if it was the only angle that mattered. I know it comes off like that when I tell this story. Um, the question was, how would I feel if I let this opportunity slip through my fingers? She goes back to Mexico and, um, you know, try to, try to stir, up, stir it up a little bit later on. Oh my God, the clarity that came through was overwhelming and almost unbearable. I immediately put these words to it. It would be the worst decision of my entire life if I let her go home. Uh, oh my gosh. Whereas if I had asked, should I say yes, I couldn't feel an answer. If I said, should I let it go? I knew what the answer was. Now, not all things are equal in my crossroads versus your crossroads. There's other big decisions I've had that maybe it didn't play out quite that way because very often when we have what we think is a yes or no answer, the best truth is none of the above. In my case, it was clearly one of the above. It was a yes or a no. And it was like, don't let her go. And I didn't. And, I, and it was the best decision of my life. Uh, and fortunately, she said yes. And um, la-di-da-di-da. But oftentimes, we try to oversimplify. Should I make this investment or should I not? Should I move here or should I move there? Should I stay with my employer or should I quit? Should I go into business for myself or should I not? Sometimes the answer is maybe. Sometimes the answer is yes, but not now. Or no. Uh, ask again later and we'll see. Uh, the, the, it's a moving target and the sands shift beneath our feet always. And there's a million other variables. So I'm not trying to oversimplify and I'm not saying that every decision has a yes or no answer right now because they don't. Um, but if the answer exists and you approach it from both of these angles, ask the question, imagine the answer, maybe do some journaling, um, it's amazing what you may get. And if you just don't get clarity on either way, then just consider option C, option D, option XYZ. Consider asking next week, next month. Consider focusing on other things in your life. And maybe now is not the time to make that decision. And then uh, a little catch-all, which I think is very fair. My life has really... Uh, borne this out. In the end, well, what I mean by that is ultimately, no matter what decision you make uh, or, or don't make or delay or stall on, the universe is right beside you. And as soon as you say, okay, this is the way I'm going, even though maybe hypothetically in our own minds, you know, we could have done really good if we went the other way. The universe is like all of the elements, all of the stars realign. Everything is on your case going in the direction that you chose. Everything is going to be rearranged in ways that serve you. And if you really need a second chance to make that decision, something's going to come around and you're going to have that second chance. But you need to go all in on what your gut instincts and intellect combined together tell you to do. And then the entire physical universe and seven, eight billion players align with your decision to make it the best it can possibly be for you. And there are infinite possibilities. Uh, opportunity never stops knocking. There's always chance in this bastion of order for new romances, second chances, and on and on and on. So it's like you can't get it wrong. Do your best to get it right. Don't force a decision and then know whichever way you go, the entire universe goes with you. And then there'll be new players, new circumstances, new calibrations, new probabilities, new possibilities, and always you're pushed on to greatness. And ultimately, if this is where your highest and greatest self would be, and you choose to go this way, you're going to end up back there. You're not going to miss 
opportunity never stops knocking. This is the beauty, the magic, the wonder of living a dream reality. Everything plays to your greater good. You just stay in the game. Do not regret. Do not look back. Do not try to undo it. Look at the tune-ups that we did about a week or two ago about regret and some of that. Just go. March on. Be proud. You've done so well for yourself as well as anybody could have done in your shoes, as well as God would have done in your shoes, given the variables as they were at the time of the decision. This is all about learning, growing, infinite possibilities on an eternal march upwards. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time for a spiritual tune-up. Today's question. It's about weight, gaining weight, losing weight. Mike, how is weight tied to our spiritual connectedness? Or even if it is. About 20 years ago, I gained about 40 pounds. A lot of emotional stuff went on during that time. I had tried many, many different ways to drop the weight with no real success. During the COVID quarantine, I lost 30 pounds without notice. Also, going through some positive emotional stuff, empty nest after 20 years, four kids, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I am now stuck with wanting to drop the last 15, and I feel like I'm spinning my wheels and not able to get in the zone as I did before. From experience, I feel that weight can be related to emotional, spiritual growth or stuckness. I eat a plant-based diet with regular exercise, yoga, and meditation. What are your thoughts? Oh boy, oh boy. I've had the opposite issue in much of my life, trying to gain weight. And that might seem laughable for some. I, I get that I'm lucky in that way. Um, but it has been, it had been uh, a major struggle for a very long time. And it's only when you stop focusing on it to the exclusion of all else in your life that it starts to automatically take care of itself. That doesn't mean we can't stoke the fire. So let me tell you the obvious, okay? And then I'm gonna give you some ideas for traction on shedding those pounds or gaining those pounds, whichever it is you may prefer. Okay, the obvious, our weight, our bodily weight, is a function of so many different things. I wish it was more straightforward, but remember, life is not the Harvard of the universe. It is the kindergarten of the universe. You can do this. Even though there's a lot of things, you can do this. Exercise, okay, I'm glad you're doing that. Nutrition, sounds like you've got a nutritious diet. Peace of mind, life engagement. Whoa, big one, talk about spiritual ease. Uh, that is living and dancing life's dance and not theoretically thinking about it so much. Number five, intention and desire. And number six, confusion, fear, limiting beliefs. Food is never really the issue, okay? Your indulgence in food is an avoidance of something else, okay? Fear, confusion, those kind of things. But all of these elements uh, can be deliberately tweaked to get you on a quicker, more consistent, steady path, achieving a weight that you feel is perfect for you and not trying to achieve a weight that's perfect for somebody else. Okay, some ideas for resolution. Please continue with the exercise. If you're not exercising, start exercising. And this doesn't mean join a gym necessarily. This doesn't mean you even have to break a sweat necessarily. But please, at a minimum, go for walks around the neighborhood, uh, around the parking lot. My mom, very vain, used to, back in the day, go for jogs indoors. She'd run around her living room, run up the stairs, run down the stairs, run around the living room, run to the kitchen. Just get the blood moving. It's not about sweating, although that's super healthy, but you can't do nothing, okay? You've got this beautiful mechanism. Celebrate it. It will suck if you've never exercised to start exercising, although it can be as enjoyable and simple as a walk. But the day will come. It might be six months, it might be a year, that if you go without, you're just going to feel like, oh, what is missing? What? And you're going to realize that perhaps for days or decades, 
in your life earlier, you never had that gift of adrenaline, blood flow, energy movement in your body, which is so easy to give to yourself. Create a brand new habit that you will treasure the rest of your life. Move. Number two, nutrition. Sounds like you're doing that plant-based diet. I don't think it gets any better. Uh, all of us though can stand to be observant as to the stuff white sugar, white salt that we're putting in our bodies, uh, bread, white bread, just, just be aware, just be aware. Okay. Don't obsess. Just be aware. You're on that path. Peace, peace of mind, turn down the stress. Best way to do that beyond quiet times is gratitude and appreciation. I, I wrote a little something in my, my practice of journaling thanks to Sarah Landon and our channeling the art of channeling course because I'm a lesson here um, that really kind of blew my mind this morning didn't know I was going to share it with you it's much more fun to love life I mean it's much more important to love life than it is to have fun it's much more important to love life to love your life and it's pretty easy than to have fun. Now, maybe that's relevant to me because sometimes I feel like the fun is missing. Like I need to go play with a radio control airplane or go out and fly a kite or go play. I don't play anymore. It's like I am so much more capable with a twist in perspective to feel appreciation and joy that I get to do this. Hey, I really like doing this more than I would like flying a radio control airplane. But I'm thinking I need more fun. So I'm trying to put myself in a little box where I'm going to go do something with some toys. And it's like, that maybe doesn't fit anymore. I love the, the stuff that I can do here in my mind. And with the right perspective, work becomes play. And it's more, more important to, to love life and love your life. And that's easier to do than to go out and play. Because and go out and have fun because that kind of calls you to do stuff that you might not really ornately innately be called to do. Maybe that's just for me, but I thought I would share it. And if you can get into that zone of gratitude and appreciation, you're going to find an equilibrium that spills over into other areas of your life, including metabolism and food intake and desires and balance. So find peace, Obviously, through quiet, maybe meditation, maybe chuck that out the window. You don't have to do meditation in any conventional way. But gratitude and appreciation is like, damn, the splendor, the beauty. I love life. I love my life. I love being me. I can get to that zone in two seconds without thinking I have to go have fun. Okay, and that is fun. All right, maybe I'm uh, dragging that on, dragging that out. Here's like one of the biggest, the next point is one of the biggest. Engagement, engagement, engagement. Um, live your life, even, even if it's on the internet, interact with people, not just animals, not just your garden, okay? Not just outdoors, but let there be engagement. Oh my gosh, all of a sudden, lots of possibilities for joy, falling in love, being loved, and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. And that's going to bring balance to your life and put your metabolism in the right place and your appetite in the right place. And it's going to work out because you're living your life. It's not just here. Okay, this is so cool for loving your life. But when you're really loving your life, what do you want to do? You want to go live your life. And what did COVID do for you? To the person asking this question, it changed priorities. It took your mind off of trying to lose weight, trying all these programs, trying to you know obsess along a certain line. I've got to lose weight, which just reinforces that you're you don't weigh what you want to weigh. COVID for many of us, all of a sudden, gave us something else to focus on, something bigger than ourselves, a family of four or whatever your other priorities are, now they need to be arranged. And it brought about balance through the imbalance. So this is what COVID did. And that's where your 30, 
uh, or 20 or whatever it was, pounds that just disappeared. COVID gave you this distraction to engage in your life in other ways. And you can do that without COVID. And you can do it with COVID. And you can do it on the internet or you can do it as a volunteer. You can do it with your job. You can do it with your friends. You can reach out to uh, old friends, make new friends, engagement, so that you will not be so single-minded in your little world. Uh, not no, no offense, we all have little worlds. And so single-minded in, in, I want this to happen, and I don't want that to happen. All right, the next two items. One, intention. Intend to want to achieve an ideal way. Intend to do your part. Intend to go through this checklist that I just gave you. Be mindful of your intake of food. Be mindful of your energy and exercise levels. Um, not forcing anything, but just this is one of my intentions. It's going to work out. This is a direction I want to go. You can have intention without reinforcing a sense of desperation that this is not what's going on right now. It's like, look, intention rules. Intention steers the ship of your life. Uh, intention is almost everything. Seth, through Jane Roberts, said that desire, which is a form of intention, the fuel behind intention, is a form of action. It's so powerful. So continue with your intention to achieve this ideal balance. But realize you've got all these buttons and levers to press and it's not about finding the right diet. It's engage, it's balance, it's work, it's intake, uh, it's being wise, it's choosing nutrition over um, starch kind of thing. Intention, it's okay, be there, acknowledge it, but don't be too single-minded as we were saying in the prior point. And then the last thing, to help find the fears and resolve them, to help uncover the invisible limiting beliefs, ask yourself, what am I not seeing that is plain as day for me to see? What am I not admitting that I know is the case? Um, what am I feeling or could I be feeling or want to feel more of or want to feel less of? Just come up with these discussion inner dialogue starters and go there in contemplative thought or through journaling. Uh, give yourself this playground and this space to ask the question and hear the answer. This is the inner work that people are talk, talk, that people talk about. And the inner work will show up as you love your life and therefore are called to live your life. And then you stub your toe, go within. It's not about just do the inner work sitting at your desk journaling. It's about these other things that call you to life. The lions and tigers and bears show up, ask some questions, continue loving your life, engaging, diversifying. Food and your weight will ultimately be the last thing that you think about. You'll love your food and you ought to love your food and you're going to eat the stuff you want, but it's all going to be in proportion and balance automatically without any effort, even though in the beginning it's going to take intention, desire, focus, acknowledgement, admitting, questioning, uh, and those kind of things. This is what COVID brought you as a gift. Uh, and this is the gift of COVID for the world to reprioritize, to self-reflect, to engage, to continue living, to see what's working, to see the silver lining, and take this place, planet Earth, to where it's never been before. That's where we're going. This is the most exciting time to be alive. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time for a spiritual tune-up. Happy Fry, yay! All right, today's question is kind of esoteric, but I've got a couple of layers of answers and it's going to get better and better towards the end. Where do great ideas come from? Whether we're going within, whether we're channeling, whether we're doing a math problem or writing a screenplay, where do great ideas come from? Um, okay, I was just reading some Seth material from Jane Roberts and Seth says, which I think we could, well, it's not necessarily so obvious. Uh, we need some help from, from characters like Seth that ideas have a living essence 
themselves. We think that we think uh, a thought and it's just a puffy little thing and when we stop thinking, it's it. No, our thoughts have an energy and a life force, all of their own, that leave us once we think them. And they go out and literally rearrange the stage of our lives to bring us what we were thinking about. And not only do our thoughts manifest into the things and circumstances of our lives, but they manifest into more thoughts of the same. Here's something Seth said that really kind of blew my mind. Seth said that there is no objective database where there are facts. Uh, and anybody can tune in to know what the facts are. There are truths, and I've talked at length about the truths of being. They're few and far between. But when it comes to facts, they're virtually all subjective. The facts about politics today, the facts about coronavirus today, the facts about vaccinations today. Now, there are truths, and there are lies, and there is half ways. Uh, don't get me wrong there. And, and, uh, Oh, this is a tangent I don't mean to go down. But what I'm saying is those who believe in something will find that their thoughts mingle with other similar thoughts and attract those thoughts back to you, the thinker. The point I wanted to make here is that our thoughts have a living vitality that exists beyond us. And once our thoughts are chosen, they go on into the ether beyond time and space. They are eternal beings as are we eternal beings. Now, don't be scared. We're inclined to succeed. Love is the glue of life. There ain't no boogeyman that's out there to get you because of something you thought when you were, you know, 20 years old. But our thoughts have this living energy. Now, to get to the answer, where do they come from? Intention. Intention. When you're mulling thoughts over and you're daydreaming or you're fantasizing about the life of your dreams, there is an intention to know that reality. And the intention that, that, that knowing that reality will uh, affect is that it will draw more ideas so that you can experience it in your mind first. So what would it like to be fabulously wealthy? What would it like to be loved and adored and, and know it? Um, then our thoughts go out and look for like-minded thoughts that will complete that picture to fill up our mind. And if we believe that it's possible, that's step two, then we start moving accordingly and we actually live in a world that we were first just thinking about. This is thoughts become things. The important thing I wanted to say first off is that your intention to have great thoughts, your intention to have clarity, your intention to figure something out, your intention to understand your cancer, your intention to attract a million dollars and know the logistics of it, your intention will begin attracting, the desire alone will begin attracting new ideas and thoughts to yourself and with belief that you can imagine it and with belief that you can manifest love and healing and longevity and whatever your heart desires, more thoughts of a subordinate nature will, will land on you and move you in the direction where you are the moving part and you meet new people and uh, there's a, a coalescence of circumstances yielding the physical manifestation of what you were initially wondering with desire and belief. So intention and belief in all things, manifesting a pot of gold or manifesting enlightenment, manifesting a plot or a storyline for your novel, any great idea on how to patch up a relationship, you command the elements of time and space and you drive thoughts of clarity that will fuel your thriving existence by desiring them, by wanting them. And here's the ultimate power tip that I'm so, so happy to be sharing with you. The end in mind, the end results in mind will bring about the circumstances, the serendipities, the right people at the right time and the right ideas for there to be a manifestation. So sometimes you don't even have to think of the thought you need. You don't, have to, you don't have to just wait passively for a great idea. Dwell instead beyond the great idea to the end result that you'd like to manifest, whether it be physical or ethereal, tangible or 
um, intangible. Think of the end result and it will draw from the woodwork, draw from the illusions, circumstances, people, and bright ideas to make itself become the things and events of your lives. This is what thoughts do. The end forces the details. When I go to write a book, I'm thinking of the end result, that it's hitting those notes and making those points and resonating with readers. That vision will infuse me with ideas and examples and teaching points to achieve my objective. The end result you desire will bring about the manifestation you want, including the ideas necessary for it. If you want great ideas, have great dreams that require great ideas. Don't think you got to line up one good idea after another. J.K. Rowling, the Harry Potter series, I'm reading them to my daughter now. Oh my gosh, I never read them before. So spellbinding and intricate and complicated. The way any human being can write in a supernatural way, as did J.K. Rowling, and I salute her. The end result, I have a story to tell. I dream of being a best-selling author. I want to entertain the world or um, Rhonda Byrne. I want to bring joy to billions, creator of The Secret DVD that became the book and the series of books, Rhonda Byrne. When I met her in Chicago, first words out of her mouth, I plan on bringing joy to billions. That gigantic end result will summon to her and to you the ideas you need to bring it about that will show up when you believe it's possible. Come on, if one person can do it, you can do it. And your believing will be made, will be revealed when you physically show up. You need to be congruent in your behavior. You can't just intend and believe and sit on your chair and think Oprah's calling. She's not calling. You need to intend and believe and take action. If you really believe, then the action's automatic. You can't stop yourself. You'll be out and going. If you don't quite really believe, force yourself to take action anyway, and your inner witness will see you moving, and suddenly you will believe, and the ideas and the resources you need to finish the journey will be attracted. If you want a great idea for your marriage, if you want a great idea to get married, if you want a great idea to heal, if you want a great idea to write a story that makes sells a million books and makes a million dollars, if you want a great idea for anything, peace, joy, harmony, enlightenment, go beyond the great idea. Think of the end result that it will deliver. Dwell upon that end result. Then physically move towards that end result in your life by taking action. And the great ideas necessary will be infused when you're walking the dog, when you're taking a shower, when you're falling asleep at night. When you least expect it, you're going to have that idea. Like, I could try it this way. I could call so-and-so. I could do ABC. Prepare to be astounded. You deserve it all. You're in the winner's circle of reality creation right now. Your thoughts become things. Your words give you wings. You're pushed on to greatness. There ain't no boogeyman, nor ain't no boogie woman. You're inclined to succeed. You're bathed in love. You were born worthy. Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!